Moving along. Daf Chav Dalit. All right. So today's daf is Daf Chav Dalit, and we pick up from Kasha the Rebbe Meir, uh, the Rebbe Meir, which is the fourth line from the top of the daf. And just to get us quickly back into the swing of things, because we're in the middle of a sugya, we just explained that Rev Meir's opinion is that we are concerned about miso. We're concerned that somebody may die, and also an animal may die, if we use that animal as a wall for a sukkah. At the same time, Rev Meir says that when somebody has a canteen full of wine, um, you're permitted to start drinking that wine, even though, and as long as you leave over enough to take miser afterward. Now, if Rav is going to allow the wine to be drunk, even as long as there's enough wine to be left at the end, that means Rav is not concerned about something going wrong. So by the wall, Rav is concerned the animal is going to die. By the vat, he's not concerned that, oh, something might happen at the end. So that's where we pick up a contradiction in Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir, when, when are you concerned about random things happening, and when are you not? That's going to be our question over here. Okay? So here we go. Says the Gemara, fourth line. Kasha Meir, Right now we have a stira, contradiction in Rabbi Meir, because by Sukkah he says that uh, we're concerned the animal might die and, and not be a kosher wall. But by the miser, where you have to tithe your wine afterwards, he says, it's okay, as long as you leave at the end, it's going to be okay. Says the Gemara, no question. It says the Gemara, a fascinating and we know very practical answer uh, going back 50 years. Not current day stuff, because we know nowadays, as they say, they don't make them as they used to. But the way things used to be made, they outlasted their owners, right? People build homes that live longer than them. Therefore, everybody at some point moves on to the next world. At some point, right? We never know when it's going to happen, but we know that always happens. Wine vats don't always burst. It's not an automatic thing to happen to a wine vat. It can last much longer. And therefore, says Rav Meir, I'm more concerned about an animal dying than I am of the, uh, you know, the, the wine uh, thing popping. Okay. All right, Kasha, Rebuda, Rebuda. We have the same contradiction in Rav Yehuda. Rav Yehuda says we are concerned about the wine popping, and we're not concerned about the animal dying as a wall, sukkah wall. The reason why Rav Yehuda is concerned about the wine vat popping is, is that's not the issue. Like we said when we read it, Rabbi Yehuda holds less library. He says the whole thing is a problem. You can't take a hundred gallons of wine and start drinking it and saying, oh, but as long as I leave 19 gallons at the end for my Meiser Rishon and Meiser Shani, it's enough. No. Says Rabbi Yehuda, there's no, we, we don't say Brera. And therefore, at the time that you drink your wine, if you have not yet separated the wine for Truma, if you didn't yet separate Truma, when you're drinking wine... You're drinking truma wine because you know there's truma mixed in. Lesley Brera. The problem, the, the, the reason why I don't allow the wine to be drunk has nothing to do with the wine skin popping. I'm not concerned about the wine skin popping. But you know what I am concerned about? Brera. 
you can't say that the wine that you're drinking is not miser when you have not yet separated your miser. Okay. Says the Gemara, is that true? You did not concern about the uh, the vat popping. We learned at the end of the Bryson. They said to Rabbi Meir, Are you concerned that maybe it's going to get it's going to pop and you'll lose out all the wine? And he says, It's going to come out the guy drank Tabal And he says, Okay, no, I'm not concerned. When it pops, then I'll be concerned. Which means that the Machlaikas is not about Breira, less Breira, or Yesh Breira. The Machlaikas is about the wine vat popping. Sigmar says, No. Hassan, Rabbi Yudahu, the Gamar, the Rebbe Meir, Rabbi Yudahu, Saint Rameir, Lididi, Leslie I don't hold the Breira. That's from the get go why I'm not following this Mahalach. Leslie Breira. You cannot start drinking wine until you separate Shuma. Ah, you're going to leave enough at the end to be your Shuma? It doesn't matter. You can't start, until you separate, you can't say, this is your Hulin and this is your Shuma. No, it needs to be separated beforehand. That's according to me, says Rabbi Yudahu. But according to you who hold the age don't you have the secondary concern of the vat popping? When it happens, it happens. Come back to me with your question then. Until then, it's just theoretical. Basically, I'm not concerned. That's the mayor's response. Okay. Period. Says the Gemara. Is Rabbi Huda not concerned about the death of the animal? What's none? But we learned in a Mishnah. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, Afi maskinin Beautiful. We learned this in Yuma. Right? What they have? The Kaingadol needed to be married. They had a backup wife waiting for him. Why? Shema Tamus Ishtai. Maybe his wife's going to kick the bucket. So you see, we are concerned about somebody dying because you made a backup wife. For the kind Gadol on Yom Kippur. So you see, even something that's not common, such as death, Rabbi Yuda is concerned about. The Gemara says, No, it was the extra Chumrah that they did by Yom Kippur. But in general, in Halacha, Rabbi Yuda will hold, you don't need to be concerned about Misa. Period. Okay. Now, let's go back to the original Machlaikas of why we got onto this whole thing, and let's talk outside for a minute. How this whole conversation about being concerned about death or not being concerned, how did it start? Because we were talking about Hilchah Sukkah. We know you need three walls for a Sukkah. The Gemara said, we brought a Bryson, if you have two walls, and the third wall, you want to tie up an animal, you, you want to put an animal as your third wall. Right? You want to make an animal your third wall. So we had a machlokas as to why you can't. One reason you can't is because the animal might die. The other reason given was that the animal might run away. Okay? Remember that? And we said nafkaminas. What if it's tied up? So on and so forth. But those were the two primary concerns about using a wall, uh, an animal as a wall. Now, says the Gemara like this. Let's get inside here. Whether you hold the problem of an animal is that it might die. Whether you hold the problem of an animal is it may run away. According to the Torah, 
everybody's going to agree that biblically, you can make an animal a wall. It could be a, div a divider. Yeah? Imagine walking into a shul, and instead of a mechitza, they have a bunch of elephants set up. A bunch of elephants lined up. Yeah? Separating the men and women section. All right? Is that a kosher mechitza? Pavos nish. Right? Separating the room over here. So, midaraisa mechitza mali. Midaraisa, it's fine. But the Rabbanu made a that, oh, I might die, I might run away. But now, according to Rabbi Meir, if that's true, that Midairaisa, it's okay. An animal should be tame because of Gail when it's used to cover up a grave. Because over there, let's keep reading. Alama Tanan, why do you learn in a Mishnah? Rabbi Tami Mishum Gail, Rabbi says, and, and Rav Meir says it is tahar, meaning like this. It's a very basic question. And that is that if an animal biblically is a kosher division, and the Rabbanon said, but we're not going to allow you to use that because you got problems with that. It might die, it might run away. The Rabbanon are always being strict. Right? Meaning... In all the other cases, the Torah, according to the Torah, you can, you may use this as a mechitza. And the Rabbanon come along and say, yeah, but you shouldn't, because of these two reasons. Says the Gemara, a beautiful question. When it comes to, one of the cases mentioned in the Brisa is separating the Tumah. In such a case, it's actually going to come out that the Rabbanon are being makel, they're being lenient on the dairaisa. Okay? Because over here, the issue is going to be, well, uh, let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. Okay? The, this is a, a very powerful question that the Gemara is actually going to follow over here. Because again, in this case, there must be, if Reb Meir says that it's metaher, it must be that even me dairaisa, we're running into a problem with it being considered a wall. Allah Amr of Akhbar Yaqub Kasavar of Mayor Komachitza Shamedas Baruach Aina Machitza. He says that it's a different reason the mayor holds anything that stands because of wind. Over here we're talking about uh, oxygen. That's not considered a machitza. If it's dependent on oxygen, it's not a machitza. That's one way to do it. Um, for those just joining us, we're up to Ika da Amri. Five lines to the bottom of Chav Dalid Amud Aleph. Okay? Says the Gemara, Ika da Amri, Amar of Achabar Yaakov, Kasavar Reb Meir, Kol Mechitza, She'en Asuya Bidei Adam, Eina Mechitza. Another way to say it is, any Mechitza that's not made by man, for example, this animal, also cannot be a Mechitza. My Benai, what's the difference between whether you say the first reason that it needs to be Aymedas Baruach, or it needs to be man-made, Ika Benai, the difference is, the Ukma Benai Tafuach. If, let's say, you're holding up a wall with a, we'll call it a balloon. All right? A balloon is full of air. So if you say that something that needs air to, to, to be there is not considered a machitza, then you got a problem here. It's not going to be a kosher wall when it's held up by balloon. According to what it says, the problem is that it's not man made. A man made this. And therefore, 
it will be a kosher mechitza, period. End of that discussion, end of that Gemara that we started all the way back on the bottom of Chav Gimel Amod Aleph. Okay. Here we go. Two dots. Very top line on, on Chav Dalet on the base. This next Gemara is fascinating. Fascinating. It says in the Torah that a husband has to give a get to his wife. He has to put it in her hand or put it in her property. So you know what the husband does? He takes his wife's cow, he gets a cipher, and on the side of the cow, they write the get in permanent ink on the wife's property. It's hers. The get is now in her domain. It's given to her. Are you allowed to write a get on a live animal? You could write it on the skin of a dead animal. That's what parchment is. Right? Can you write a get on the skin of a live animal? Omar Mar. Top line. The Tana taught us. Bishum they learned in the name of Rebbe Siaglili. Af ein kaisvin alav gite nashim. You're not allowed to write a get to your wife on a live animal. My taima de Rebbe Haglili. What is the reason? The time we learned in Rebbe saw sefer. A get must be written on a sefer. We'll translate sefer as a document. Ainli ella sefer. I would think that a get needs to be written on a prepared document. Minayin Rabbi is called over. How do I know you can write on a piece of paper? Anything else? Etch it into a stone bowl. Carve it out. Carve out the words of a get and onto a stone tablet. How do I know that that is allowed? Because of law, all you need to do is write it to her. Write it to her. Well, I wrote it to her. It's on a stone bowl. It's on a stone tablet. Okay? So first it says safer. Safer seems to mean a document. But then it says, because of law. The only thing that matters is it needs to be written. These two things are a contradiction. Does it just need to be written? Or... Does it also need to be on a parchment? Minayin the rabbi. I lost the place. Imkain, if so, ma tamud lemar sefer. If it can be written on anything, why do we say it needs to be written on a document? Lemar lechad to teach you ma sefer davar shem beruachayim Just like a document is in one place, it doesn't eat. It's laying on a table. When do we say that you could write it anywhere? You're right, you could write it on a stone tablet, a chase, whatever. But you could write it anything that's similar to a document to exclude an animal that breathes and eats and goes to the bathroom and walks around. That can't be written on a live animal. That is the source for Abyasi Aglili as to why you cannot write a get on a live animal. Again, so if somebody asks us at this point, a get? Let him write it on his wife's gown. 
Says no. It says because of law. Ah, because of law, so I can write it down anything. No, a safer needs to be like a safer. It's got to be dead and laying on a table. So until her animal's dead and laying on the table, you cannot write it. Okay. Virabonon. And the Rabbanon who say it's okay. How are they going to tackle Rabbi Yossi Aglili's reason? They say, If the Torah would have written, Then you're right. It has to be written in a Sefer. Fine, we got it. You know what Sefer means? To tell over something. That's all Sefer means. To, to, that's all it means. You got to be able to tell a story. Something needs to be told over, and anything that's told over, even if it is on a live animal, as long as you're getting the main idea, the main story, Hakol Seder, it's going to absolutely be allowed. Now, this is one of the most beautiful and fascinating things of the Hebrew language, right? In that, you know, in the English dictionary, we're closing in on eight hundred thousand words. There's four-fifths of a million words in our dictionary. I want to start a... I don't really want to start one. But the but Derek Humor, yeah? I want to start... You know, they have these things. Every year they add new words to the dictionary. New words that are being used, right? And then they have more words to add to the spelling bee. I think we should start an organization that removes words. Words that haven't been used in 500 years. How about that? <laughs> right? Take those out. This way we can get the, the numbers back down. The same way they add words. Woke, grace, words that we never heard of before. Fake news. Because uh, now they're being used. They should start, you know, uh, taking out, you know, all the Shakespearean words that nobody knows what they mean anyway. And this way it can make the, the dictionary a lot easier. Over the Misa, the English language got about close to 800,000 words. The Hebrew, Lashon Kaidash, we really have... Maybe six, seven hundred Shirashim. We have like six, seven hundred root words, and that's the language. Right? This word safer, say the Chachamim, say the Rabbanan, a safer, it's not that's not limited to the word book. The word Samach Peresh at its root means to tell over. So a book tells over, Sipor Yetzias Mitzrayim tells over, Separon, I think, is like a library or a librarian, right? Anything that has, huh? Mispar, right? That's also is telling something over. There's so many words that come out of the Say the Rabbanat or Glili. Come on. When you see the Shirish, it only means safer? That's what I would think? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know what it means? You take the shirish, which means to give over, to tell over. And as long as it's telling over the story of the get, you could write it. And hence, you're allowed to write a get on the side of an animal. What do they do with the word? You don't need the pasuk. According to them, you can write it on anything you want anyway. Why do they say pasuk? So they say, To let us know that you can only divorce a woman with a star, and you cannot divorce her with money. Why would I think you could pay a woman to get rid of her? So, I mean, I would have thought, since there's a hackish thing, getting and kedushin, the same way a woman could be married with a document or with money. 
so too, uh, so too, she could purchase herself back with money, as well as a document. Let's us know. That's why it says Vikasav. The only way to do it, the only way to have a get is by writing a get. There's no such no such thing as a financial transaction to break a marriage. How does basically know if there's a hekesh between Gittin and Kedushin, and Kedushin you could use Kesef, how does he know you cannot use money to get divorced? So he says, Me Sefer Krisus Nafka. He learns it out from, um, from Sefer Krisus. Okay, what does Sefer Krisus mean? Sefer Korsa, Ein Dabarachar Korsa. It's specific that only a Sefer can be Kairos, can make the cut, can make the division, and nothing else may, including money. Okay, says the Gemara of Eidach. Now we're going to go back and forth till the Mishnah. What do the Rabbanon do? Yeah, um, what do they do with Sefer Krisis? They say that it needs to, that it's teaching us that the, the get has to be a complete separation. There can't be any sort of strings attached. To the divorce. For example, the Gemara's going to give us an example. The Tanya. Like we went to the price. I raise a dish the iron. A guy says, Wife, I'm divorcing you on condition you don't drink wine for the rest of your life. You never go visit your family. Forever. That's not a divorce. You're keeping this woman connected to you, you're keeping her attached. You're making conditions. A get means she's gone from your life. Out. Off the hook. You cannot make conditions attached to this. We're off for the rest of our life. Can't drink wine. I'll give you guys a Can't drink wine. No, that's not called a cutoff. But if it's for a limited amount of time, yeah, term insurance, yeah, yeah okay, divorce, 30 days. Okay, so then that's a good guy. That's what they learn out from that you need a safer crisis. It's got to be a document that completely cuts off. What's your basic? How does he know this halach? You need a complete cutoff. He says from there, he could have just said kare. He says krisus. They say that extra sub is not a reason to make a drasha. Period. End of that gemara. Okay. Zok the mission. Why is sukasa beni lani? Is a person who makes a sukkah in between trees. Be lani stefanis la. And the trees are the walls, Kshera. It is a kosher sukkah. Okay? So, what's the difference between our Mishnah and the previous Mishnah? Remember the previous Mishnah? Yeah? Two dafago. What did we learn two dafago? You want to look back on Davchav Beis, Amad Beis. Let's take a moment to turn back here. All right? We learned on Davchav Beis, Amad Beis, towards the bottom. We said a person who makes a, a uh, sukkah. Bereish ha'ilon on top of a tree. We said that it is kosher, but you cannot go, use it on yomtiv. Let's turn back to our Mishnah. I'm not on top of a tree. My sukkah is not leaning on a tree. My sukkah is surrounded by trees. Okay, it's on the floor, surrounded by trees. But the trees are serving as walls. Kshera, that's fine. You could have trees that are attached to the ground that serve as walls. Any division that's not able to stand in a regular wind is not considered 
a mechitza. Tanam we learned in the Mishnah. I says because the Benin Lan is burst because it's amongst the trees. We learn it's the one is not the trees or the walls. Kshera, it's fine. Why? Why is it okay? Guess what? Trees move in the wind. They're going back and forth. Yeah. And still, you see, it's kosher walls. You see, a wall is permitted to shake. Says, We're dealing with the lower part of the tree, the trunk of the tree that does not move. But you would not be permitted to use low bushes that sway back and forth as the walls of your sukkah. Okay? You'd be able to use 30 trunks of trees in the ground. You'd not be permitted to use, uh, you know, weeds and things that are growing and sway back and forth. For a classic example, yeah? What about a, a guy a Guy has a wheat field? You know, wheat fields, they grow very tall. The wheat grows higher than 10 tzvachim. A guy cuts out the middle of his wheat field and lays out tzvach. And he uses the wheat on the side as his wall. So if it's wheat that shakes back and forth, it's garnished. It's not going to be kosher because you don't have walls. I says the Gemara Vika Naifai. You still have the branches. Oh, okay, you're right. We're, we're dealing with a case where, in order for it to be a kosher wall, it doesn't move too much. says the Gemara, okay, so what's the Chiddush? What's the Chiddush? We already know. We learned previously in the Mishnah, yes, you can make your walls out of anything. So if we're dealing with trunks of the trees, nothing's moving, it's just something that's connected to the ground, why, what's the Chiddush? Why should it be any worse than metal? Why should it be any worse than the walls of your home? Plaster, brick. Why would I think it's a problem? I'll tell you why. Because I might say, listen, you know, trees are muktzah. We don't want people going up on trees. And we don't even want people going near trees. We don't want you, if you make it the walls of your sukkah, you might come to lean against it. And if you come to lean against it, you might go up in it, higher up. It's okay. A compensator is still allowed to be a wall. Toshma, come and listen. If you have a tree, a fence, or a wall made out of reeds, we consider it as if it is the yumid. Okay? Which means we view it as if, even though it's round, let's see if we can um, articulate this with words. So you, you need to have walls. Okay? Huh? Yeah, this comes up by Pasi Birois and things of that sort. So when you have like a tree trunk that's round, okay, and you need to have for your walls, it's got to, how can something round on the corner function as two walls? It's round. So we say, if we view it as if it's a tefach here and then a tefach here, right? We use the thickness of the wall and pretend like it's cut out. And it's a 90 degree angle. Even though right now we see it completely rounded, we view it as if, since it can be cut as a 90 degree angle to show two walls, means we consider it as if it has a 90 degree angle. So you see, it's a kosher mechitza, no matter what. No, it's not no matter what. It's a kosher mechitza, and we view it as 90 degrees when it's sturdy and it ain't going to move. Okay, Tashma, come and listen from here. Elon a Mesach Alaris, you have a tree. That is Mesach Al Haaret. So, you know, just to give an example of this, we'll uh, be kind of like a weeping willow type of tree, right? You have a tree and then it covers more space. It comes back down to the ground. 
If the branches are within three tvachim of the ground, you're allowed to carry on Shabbos underneath that weeping willow tree. Because the branches are completely surrounding you and it's within three tvachim of the ground, so love it will enclose it. Am I? Uh, but why are you allowed to do that? Beautiful. The, the weeping willow branches are, are going to move in the wind. So you see that even something that moves in the wind should be kosher for a wall. Look at Hocha Shabbos, great kasha, right? According to what we're saying, we just said, any branches that shake in the wind is not a, is not a wall. Aye, so why by a weeping willow that comes over and out, and within three tvachim of the ground, you can carry underneath that middle area. Why? It shouldn't be considered walls around you because they move. Somehow he's sturdied up those branches that they shouldn't move too much. Says the Gemara... If that's so, you should be able to carry everywhere. And, and how do you know you can't? So Gemara is going to continue this question. Unless it's smaller than base asayim. So this is talking about when you have a general area which is larger than a base asayim and it's and it, it um, um What's the word I'm looking for over here? If it's taka sturdy, you should have much bigger than a base asayim. You have regular walls surrounding you. Why are you limited to space? You ever been at a large ballroom, a large hotel? Right? We're going to say that's not considered, uh, you know, even an outdoor tent that's so large, it's not considered a private domain. So the says, I'll tell you the difference. Because... Um, Really, the whole reason why it's there is for somebody to watch to the outside. It's not meant to live on the inside of it. When you have mamish, an area that's meant to live within, so then you have a much larger area. But when you're there just to protect you from the elements, but you're really meant to be outdoorsy, right? You're supposed to be outdoors. For, for whatever reason. You could have somebody who's there out to protect the fields. So then your taka, even if it's dirt, you're going to be limited to the amount of space that you have because it's much harder to make this considered a Rishos HaYachid when the, you're, you're only inside for the purpose of watching the outside. One more attempt over here, and then we'll get to the mission and hold it here for tonight. Tashma, come and listen. Shavas betel shu If a person sets up shop for Shabbos on a hill that's 10 Tvachim high. It's between the measurement of the elevation. It's four Amas and a Beisasayim. Or you, you have a valley that's 10 Tvachim deep. And if you have, like we said, you know, a cut area of a wheat field. So the middle's cut out, but the rest is not. So you're allowed to walk around there plus 2,000 amas, meaning this is going to be your new place. And what are we dealing with? A wheat field. Does a wheat field move in the wind? Absolutely. You see, even though something moves in the wind, this is considered its own new domain. No, just because you said you could do that doesn't mean that you didn't sturdy. You didn't sturdy up the wheat. Maybe in all these cases, again, we don't know, we don't know for sure. But as long as we can wiggle out of this answer, we won't have a proof as to whether. And this is how the Gemara is leaving off. We have no proof whether something that moves back and forth 
right? Something that moves around, whether that has the name of a mechitza. Right now we have a machlaikas tanayim, and we have no proof as to who is correct. Each one is sticking to their guns. End of the Gemara. We will hold it here for this evening. And as Hashem, pick up from here tomorrow morning. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.